Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, your co-host, Brian, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Spaz. Hello. Uh, sadly, Hunter could not join us tonight. He is swamped with work. He has a very busy job, uh, which keeps him on his toes, so s- sadly, we are not being joined by him tonight, and we just don't know where Jim is. He'll probably walk in later, maybe. I don't know. But uh, we do have a guest tonight, my friends, joining us. Oh, Spokane, Washington. That's what you said. I didn't write it down, but that's what you said, right? Spokane? Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. That's correct. I remembered. Uh, is Jeff Quinlan, the developer of Dath Origins. Did I say that right? Dath, D-A-T-H. You said it all correct. Yes, it's oh, perfect. that's lovely. I mean, it's not hard to get that wrong, really, but, you know, sometimes... Right. I don't know. Sometimes people are like death. I don't know. So, uh, welcome, uh, Jeff. Thank you so much for joining us here to talk about your game. Thanks, Brian. <coughs> Thanks, Spaz. Appreciate the audience here, the opportunity to <clears throat> talk about my space game at the podcast dedicated to space games. As far as I know, we're the only one. Right? We, we know our niche, and we yeah. love it. Well, I don't know about you guys, but. I have to focus on – I have to be very focused or else I'll get nothing done. So if I'm not focused on one tiny little niche, I'll just – it'll just be like, I can't do everything and then I'm done. So <laughs> keeping it focused is what works. So you have a space game called Death Origins. It hit uh, early access well, in September? About a month or yeah, so ago? That's That's correct, yeah. Now, if I remember correctly, you were intending to do a full 1.0 release, but then uh, – didn't do that. What happened exactly? That, well, I learned, that kept, kept I you learned some lessons. Uh, All right. <laughs> you know, the biggest lesson that I learned was that I needed more people playing the game to expose more bugs. And there is particularly a nasty bug where it didn't affect every player, but on certain some systems, about 26 minutes into playing, uh, you know, different time for different, but. Uh, it would just slow down to like one or two frames per second. I had that exact thing. Okay, so you were one of the people that suffered from it. And that's just unacceptable. And that was found, you know, really close to to when I intended to launch because there weren't a lot of people testing the game. Uh, But I had previously had, you know, multiple uh, sessions of playthroughs that were a couple hours long that were recorded and stuff, no problem uh, before the problem existed. And then once the, the problem did it exist, it was hard to trace back because of the engine that I chose to make the game in. It doesn't provide a lot of the modern debugging tools that make it easy to, to track down a certain issue lies or what piece of code is hitting uh, the frame rate so hard. So, it was a pretty much like a worst case, like nightmare scenario from a developer's perspective of, hey, it's you know getting close to launch, and then all of a sudden, just a major, major bug that uh, doesn't have a quick, easy solution. That's and it's good. That's why I say it's like a, a, a lesson, lessons that I had to learn. Like I should have had more people on there. Beta testing would have been exposed sooner. Maybe as soon as it happened, so I could have been like oh what was the one thing i changed in the last week instead of oh it's been three and a half months who who knows you know and and i still went back and i went through all the changes during the time period of from when i'd recorded long multiple hour videos and didn't just have that bug 
and and went line by line through all the changes of the code and reverted back and tried all these different things and I was not able to resolve it through such uh, annual backtracking means. Uh, <clears throat> like I said, in a lot of ways, just pretty much the nightmare scenario for a developer, but also a great opportunity for me to try to work through it. And I'm still working through it. And probably the biggest thing that's really preventing me right now is just real life. Like all my, all my, my, my day job and, and my family situation and all that kind of stuff. It's been hard to throw the man hours back onto the game at the, at the current time. And so that's been another challenge, but uh, luckily I do have some time coming up that I'll be able to back into the game full time to address this and other issues. I mean, there's, there's a lot of flaws with the game. Um, I think one of the lessons that I really learned was there was always that advice of like, Oh, you should start small with, with your first projects and stuff like that other games in the past. But this one in particular is my first commercial offering it's much bigger than any other software project that, you know, I've did to ship. And because of that, like I should have started smaller. That's Jumping fair. straight into this was a mistake and it's good to learn from those mistakes, but you know, it's stuff that you should probably <laughs> figure out before you've, uh, manufactured like a hundred physical editions of the game. Well, things that like is, that. That is, uh, if I may say excellent self-awareness. Well done. <laughs> not a lot of, not a lot of people have that level of self-awareness. So good on you. Uh, I say that with all sincerity, not even kidding. Um, right. oh. But yeah, no, I ran into that. Uh, I ran into that issue too. With uh, like, I was playing, and I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, yeah. It took about ten tries to pass that first battle for me. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, it, it took a lot of tries. Uh, but when I was capturing it on video, um, I finally passed. I think on the second try. So whoo! Uh, because it- I ch- I checked the car. I looked at the cargo bay. And I'm like, oh look, there are things in here. <laughs> that could help me. Oh, <laughs> so there wasn't there wasn't much of a tutorial, and I've definitely gotten that feedback from from multiple angles. But I do have some some plans to give it um uh, right more of a tutorial, but uh, keep it. I want to keep it organic feeling, you know, because I it's it's nice when a tutorial is just kind of slid into some normal exposition and dialogue instead of. I'm fisted and in your face, like here's the tutorial, but I don't know. Um, I do think that from all the play testing that I've, uh, and that I've got that exactly what you just said with the battle being, um, here and kind of too difficult without the information of how you can systems that the games provide. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's definitely Sorry. an area I'm looking to address. Good, good, good. I mean, once I finally passed that battle, I'll, I'll admit I was a bit frustrated for a bit because I was like, God damn it, I just want to wh- pass this thing. Uh, once I passed that thing, I was like, oh, look, there's a whole big game here. <laughs> I was very pleasantly surprised. <laughs> it was like, 
a huge map with all these solar systems and they have all these planets and it's kind of slightly giving me a Starflight vibe a little bit, which is a very good thing. Uh, honestly. Like that. That what was that, Spaz? We love that game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're... you're to, you, will, you will rarely find bigger Starflight fans than some, some of the folks around here, me especially. <laughs> have you played? Have you played Starflight? I haven't. No. Oh, In fact, it's it's an old one. It's a very old game. I don't know if I can recommend it to people today because it's so old. It's it's what what time period are we talking? Nineteen eighty six. Yeah, that is kind of that age of yeah it 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 uh it's it its entire interface is the cursor keys and like the space bar it's very rudimentary but so expansive and and well written and just it's a marvel to explore at least it was back in the day when i like had my own starship for the first time that was amazing um but no, I got that was a very good thing. Once I got past that battle, I was like, "Oh wow, there's a lot more here." So this is a pretty huge game. It has yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty sizable. Uh, like the the game engine only goes up to a thousand maps, so I tried to pack as many in there. Good, uh, you have it extended so I could go above that thousand limit, but right. Um... So what it like I'm going to admit I had a couple problems recording the game um so I'm wondering which engine you're using there were uh I couldn't record the cutscenes for some reason oh I'm using uh, OBS Studio and mm. this uh on OBS it just went black during the cutscenes which was very uh very odd so which uh, which engine are you using Yeah so with this game uh well basically I chose to use RPG Maker XP for a couple of different reasons. First of all, this initially started as a prototype of a project that I wasn't intending to release to the public. And uh, I ended up doing a lot of work into this prototype. I started to realize that uh, with the Ruby scripting language in RPG XP that it was actually pretty much Place it open. You could reprogram it however you wanted. There were some sealed uh, libraries that you can't touch, but other than that, you've got pretty much the whole source code to mess with. And so, from that point, I changed gears, thinking, well, maybe I could do a commercial game with RPG Maker XP in this little uh, demo project that I had. Then I took it to Greenlight, and it actually at that time it was called Das Galaxy and it did not get good critical feedback uh, as Das Galaxy. So I actually back to the, the drawing board with it and there was basically I've got all these stories, like these space opera stories that I want to tell through the vehicle of gameplay. And I've always intended to do franchise and not necessarily just a one-off And so uh, at that point, I decided to try to redo that green light campaign that I was doing. And so I took the game that I was intending to make next, which was called Death Universe. And it was a 3D version of the same game 
mechanics and the same type of gameplay, but a different story. And I pitched that on green light and that did get approved. And so the point that I'm getting at here is that this game got rejected basically on green light a first time. And that should, that should have been my like wake up call right then. Like, okay, the market has already rejected the game. It's not getting that critical reception. I should just moved on to what my market was saying. Yeah. Like we want that 3d version of that game. Uh, But instead of doing that, I I had a hard time throwing the work away that I'd already done into this 2d RPG maker XP. This point, it was already a couple years deep into it. And, uh, but I didn't want to use the story that I had for the 3d game. Uh, so I wrote a new story for this, which eventually became Death Origins. And then I put that on Greenlight as Death Origins, and I couldn't get it through either. And <laughs> oh, no. that to me. Yeah. And so that was the second time the market rejected it. Oh. And I really, again, should have just taken the market feedback And this is where I'm getting back to the whole like learning lessons, because the one thing that makes me feel all right about this situation is the reason why I didn't want to throw this game away uh, or part of it was because I felt like it would be a good learning lesson. Like I could make mistakes and not really fear uh, those mistakes. Like I could just go into it and learn what it's like to take a game through the release process, uh, you know, take it through the release candidate phase into a stable solid release and then have a practice run it supporting the game uh you know after it's post release and uh so as i'm encountering these current like worst case scenarios that's kind of the background of where i'm coming from is i i want to make multiple games and i feel like this is my first attempt and i've learned some very valuable lessons about what i've done wrong and i've also done things right i think but there's been a lot of things that I've done wrong that are very apparent having gone through this process, which I wouldn't have known otherwise. But at the end of the day, I've still got this product in early access that I need to fix and refine. And this has a full release. Um, there's such a stigma. Like I hate early access games, to be honest. Like I never wanted to release an early access game, but in this case, it was the right move because game itself is there. There's game mechanics. There's you know, seventy five quests. There's game world. There's there's some substance there. And a lot of early access games I've tried don't necessarily have a lot of substance to start with. So I feel like I've got something there, but the bugs and the iron gameplay loops, uh, roller issues that people have reported. Like I've got a number of, uh, pieces of feedback that I need to act on. I feel like it gives me a good opportunity to do that. And like I said earlier, though, my biggest obstacle in the current moment is just day to day life. My, a job and my family situation. If I can just there's some more free time to, you know, and uh, like I said, I've do got a good plan for that. Really like to spend another good, you know, 
really focus development fix this game. Well, it looks like uh, at least on the the Steam forum for the game, you're pretty uh, open about you know it's got you know you're working on the issues and whatnot. So that that right there uh, will really help um, engender not only good feedback but goodwill um, on the part of the community. Uh, yeah, the community has been great so far. I mean, everybody's been I've been as open and honest as I can be, and and people have like you said responded really well to that and i really yeah it's it's early access can be a real double-edged sword we have found i use that term every time i talk about early access but it's true i mean it can be great if you treat it right because gamers we are a fickle lot very very fickle um so if you treat it openly and honestly as you are doing uh it can be really great but if you like publish a game and then don't say anything for six months (laughs) <laughs> and put like one yeah. patch out or whatever. Yeah, you're not going to do so great. Uh, <laughs> so, so it sounds like you have the right of it, and it sounds like you have your, uh, especially your life priorities, because um, you have a day job. This isn't your full time thing, which probably gives you some uh, flexibility in terms of I will deal with this when I can. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right. And yeah, I see someone else in the Steam forum had the same slowdown bug that uh, I did. Uh, if you um, if you watch the YouTube video, you'll see it happen like live. <laughs> I'm not play- I'm not playing it right now. I played it uh, earlier today when I recorded it, and about yeah, 20 minutes in, I was like, "Wait, what's going on? Why is everything getting stuttery?" And this was even after a couple of uh, reloads reloads of uh, save games. So. Uh, so yeah, I'm not sure what the cause is there. It's like I, I have an old system, like on the old side, but uh, it shouldn't like this. This should not make a chug. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you're saying oh, yeah. you're saying that there are all these you know lessons, all these failures, all these. But what do you think you've done right with it? What what's what are some things you really like about what you've done with this so far? Because there are a couple things I really like, but I wanna I wanna hear your. Uh, your your answers first well first of all i i uh i like the fact that uh the soundtrack that was really fun there's 31 songs it's four and a half of music did the most of the sound effects from scratch so i started with like a sine wave and then i just run them through filters and some various uh over it that was really fun like i really enjoyed all the audio angles of game um i also there's aesthetic things i think that i'm really i'm really proud of some of the the art direction not all of it but i'm proud of it because i don't view myself as an artist so the space scenery and stuff that looks good. I'm, I'm really proud of that. I, I, I do feel like I'm decent at Photoshop, but I just, I, I'm more of a programmer and a musician. So the whole art angle is something that I would like to find somebody else to work with that can handle the art, who is good at it. And that's what they do. But there, yeah, there's a lot of things I'm proud of. I'm uh at least proud of the fact that I've got the game 
to the state that it's at in terms of its content, its length, the story. Uh, that's probably about the long and short of it, though. The physical edition, I guess, would be the last thing I'd mention. Uh, manufacturing that, making printer, and I made the starship that you play as huh. uh, at and uh it includes still- the soundtrack and the uh, map and manual and people uh, still buy that the only thing i haven't put it for sale yet because the game's not done oh, and and fair. i could pre i could pre-order it but who's gonna pre-order an early access physical edition yeah, it's just yeah that's fair but when the time comes i i am gonna definitely have those available and hey, that's awesome out promotionally yeah, I don't know about you, but I love physical copies of games. Like, I'm kind of a collector. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just bought a game from 1990 the other day. Uh, Renegade Legion Interceptor from SSI. It was about, instead of 3D printing the spaceship and putting Hi, it in the box, <laughs> what if you 3D printed a spaceship and it was the box? And then you <laughs> put the game in it. That'd be rad. Ladies and gentlemen, your co-host, Jim. <laughs> I have arrived. <laughs> um, but I, I want to say... This is you here, man. Trick-or-treating going on. You know, oh, really? Trying to, trying to put Joan on the plane. Yeah. She's got to go retrieve Mama Son, bring her, bring her back, and then my life ends. Oh, no. When the mother-in-law moves in. <laughs> Wait, is your mother-in-law moving in? Side note, is your is side? Mm, yes. So if you never oh. hear from me again, you know what happened. I've got a uh, bridge picked out and everything. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, I hope everything's okay there. But um, yeah, it's cool. It was like you know, her dad died like a month ago. Oh right. What to do with mom? So. Oh. Well, that's nice, of you guys. I mean, you have a pretty good sized house, if I remember correctly. So, this, this, it sounds like this is a reasonable arrangement. Anyway, <laughs> back to this. Uh, I was going to say that I think my favorite thing so far about the game is the varied way the away teams can die. <laughs> I, I really, or not even just die, just f- like they can even flee. I like that they could be like, Screw this. I'm out of here. And they take the little like shuttle or whatever, and then they bolt. I I, I really enjoy that. <laughs> I noticed there is a loyalty stat for them. Yes, there is a mutiny stat. Let's talk about the some of the mechanics of the game. Uh so basically you're on this ship with a million people, is it? Yeah. And, and and you have a th- and a, and a bunch of those people are like your soldiers and your crew, but there's also like colonists and stuff. And right. you're you're hiding from the draconian. Am I remembering That's that? correct. Yeah, yes. you're hiding. You're hiding from this race that destroyed the Earth hundreds of years ago. Yep. And um, and at one point, when you start the game, you're sent off in a little shuttle to examine this uh, this like. Subspace anomaly. Let's just use Star Trek terms. Of subspace right. anomaly, uh, and uh, all kinds of bad crap happens, and uh, suddenly you're kind of on the run. I guess is, is, that's where I left off. Anyway, like all of a sudden, oh, the the, the Draconian folks are back. You got to get a move on, and uh, t- 
To what, though? What are you getting a move on to? To a new home? To a hiding place? What is the ultimate goal here? Well, the way I wrote the game, uh, story-wise, it's a three-act story. And so Act 1, I intend to... There's that 36-sector galaxy that you can explore. And my whole intention of creating that galaxy was to try to make it feel nice and safe. Like, this is the game. This is where you're going to be. And then end of act one the galaxy gets destroyed what and so then <laughs> yeah and, and so then you get um you end up uh basically finding some alien tech uh the the bad guy that destroyed the galaxy you, you end up running into him uh doing a big trans-dimensional thing and and you end up getting sucked into what's called the multiverse hub from there, there's different like uh, iterations of the universe. You're trying to basically go find a version of the universe that's like yours that didn't get blown up at the. But there's a, uh, I think eleven different endings to the game. Oh my depending god! On your alignment. Wow. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's right. That's right. Because. Um... Because after you have your first uh, battle, you're kind of asked a series of Elder Scrollish questions to determine your character. Yes, that's that's basically the character creation section. Uh, it changed so many times. Initially, you could see your character and a totally different presentation. I ended up being scaled back into that because I was trying to write the dialogue without like ever referring to the captain's gender, like referring to your gender. Um, so I ended up getting rid of the gender selection and then I was like, okay, well I'm going to end up, if you can't see, you know, if you can't choose the gender, then you can't really see the captain. So then I got rid of the physical uh, like rep- representation of what you look like. And it was like, okay, well, why do I have this character creation section? And so I ended up rewriting it as more of that, what you have now, where it's a, just a dialogue between a officer and you quizzing you on the data that they lost from the computer during the attack. Right. And there, are, there were, what, about 25 or 30 different, uh, I don't know, professions, career paths? There's- Backgrounds, specialties. Yeah. yeah, I chose Wanderer because nice. I like that Neil Young song, but also <laughs> because, because I'm a I'm a fan of uh, I'm a fan of exploring. But there was also I like some of the like there was a lawyer, I think, and where's some of the other ones? Like where's some of the the professions you can choose? Like there was some really I went with medic. Personally. Okay, or, remind me where are some of the other ones you could choose. Junkie was probably the weirdest one. Wait, wait, what? Yeah, you could you could choose to be junkie. A donkey? Oh, junkie, yeah. Junkie. Oh, junkie. I almost chose that one because, you know, name of the site. But I decided not to. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh but but yeah, it was it was really nice. Um Getting to see, like, I'm like, oh my god, this is an RPG. Like, this isn't just shooting a thing 
over and over again. So basically, um, you have a ship with all these souls on it, and tell me about the, the mutiny level. Right, that, so that, that was a neat thing any, I saw. What is that? So anytime there's an action that occurs during member doesn't like so if your ship gets attacked or even increases when the enemy like an enemy ship uh, does something like repairs their own ship uh, the mutiny will go up by a percentage usually just one percent but there's other uh situations like for example you can be put in situations uh kind of at the end of act one where you're able to forge an alliance with some of the draconians and they they really like eating humans and so you can start uh feeding the your crew members to the draconian for money and the crew obviously don't like that and so that makes oh your mutiny God. go up well yeah <laughs> that makes total and, sense <laughs> and so the, the thing is is that the mutiny uh what it will do is if it's over 50% then there's a random check when you're moving on the map and if if you roll the dice wrong essentially when the mutiny is over 50 percent and one of your 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 skilled crew members who give you a new crew skill will will attempt to to overthrow you and get like a little you know button prompt um type situation to defend yourself from their attack um, and if you do defend yourself, then they die and you lose that crew skill. So crew skills are something that you get when you level up. Each time you level up, you're able to choose a new crew skill. And then there's a skill tree that is unlocked essentially. So you need prerequisite skills to get deeper skills. And so the problem is if you have too much mutiny, then you lose some of those prerequisite skills and you have to get you have to promote new crew members next time you level up and relearn those skills that's so part is, of the is it possible to reduce that level is it possible to level down is to, what you're saying? to reduce the mutiny level uh, oh yes 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 absolutely there's multiple ways to reduce the mutiny um but the There's like a special skill that you can get midway through the game if you go down a certain path where it's really easy to because uh, you basically just drug the crew. And so their mutiny goes down because they're all drugged out. Uh, well, that's fun. Well, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's part of the, you know, unethical, you know, the bad uh, skill or not skill tree, but alignments. You know, if you go down the really bad Pass you so end up on okay yeah gotcha. yeah exactly sorry uh, and um, there's not not too much other than that no but that's pretty cool uh I thought that was neat i I noticed that when I won a battle my uh, mutiny went down significantly oh yeah yeah, every time you win a battle, it goes down by 10%. Or not 10%, but just 10. Which is important. You know? Oh, yeah. That's, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> Sorry, my cat is really trying to be distracting right now. He's like... Cats are good at that. 
He's really demanding right now, which is not usual right now. He's usually, like, hiding somewhere. But, like, he's... Stop it. Like, if the, the cat runs up and gives you a wedgie. I'll post a picture. I just took a picture. I'll post a picture. <laughs> but, if the cat uh, gave you a wedgie, I want video. No, they're not that. <laughs> okay. They don't have thumbs. How could a cat... They don't have thumbs. How could they give you... Claws, man. They get the hooks in them drawers. And I suppose. Stuff. I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, yeah, it's very true. I just posted a link to what he's doing in the stream chat. Uh, so how long have you been working on this one? It sounds like a while now. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this one started in 2014. Wow. Oh. And, and you know, talking about cats, uh, I was compelled because I, I writing the 75 quests kind of gave me an opportunity to be like a little, you know, rip off some Star Trek episodes and to write a few of my own. If essentially uh, felt that. So one of them that I included was there's a ship and I, he's a scientist and he's running. Re- Somehow he ends up making this cat super intelligent and the cat is, Leaves the ship on a on a escape pod, and so one of the little quests, little side quests, you can be handed track down the super intelligent cat. Eh. We do love cats in our space games, uh, right? <laughs> especially Spaz. Uh, Indeed. Um, what is it? Holy potatoes were in space. Yeah, uh, yeah. It has a cat that could has has a cat that can warp, basically. And, and they made plush versions of that cat, and I own all three of them. <laughs> and it's goddamn adorable. It is. I couldn't. I'm sorry, Spaz. I could not bring myself to buy them, but I could totally see. <laughs> it, I could totally. Like a water bear. What? What's a water bear? The thing on Star Trek Discovery that can warp with mushrooms. Oh, uh, the the tardigrade. Yes. Uh <sighs> Why'd you have to bring up Discovery? Okay. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Mud. Moving no, no, moving on. Oh god. <laughs> let's 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 not. <laughs> oh yeah, there they are. Uh yeah, Spaz I just, just them in stream chat. Oh, so there are three of them. Oh my god, they're so and they have different facial expressions. Well, at least two of them do do. So what are some... I've only found uh, one station so far, and they want me to find a drill for them. So I don't know if that's one of the quests. But what are, besides finding the super hyper-intelligent cat, uh, what w- is the? Um, what are some of the other quests you can do? Yeah, so there's a uh, hidden... There's, like, some ships that have crashed on different planets, so... There's that type of fetch quest where it's like, oh, you know, there's cargo ship over in this sector. We lost contact. Go investigate. You know, there's those typical type of things. Uh, But the way I wrote each quest was I tried to I'd start with a kind of basic premise like that. And then the next step in my quest writing was like, well, how do I make that different? Like, how do I twist that? And it was really hard, and I don't. I wasn't definitely successful in each thing, but uh, but some of the other ones are 
like there's uh, 50 different alien life forms uh, bred on the habitable planets. There's alien race called the Zira, and they have artifacts that are spread across certain uh, bone powers and stuff like that. And there's the multidimensional stuff. There's a version of the galaxy uh, that is really, it's like a really crappy version of the galaxy. Like less stars. It's really dark. Everything's is, red. Is it like that, uh, that next gen episode where there's all the multiple wharfs and then, and then you get the, uh, the multiple enterprises and there's that one enterprise that's like, the last like ship in the galaxy that hasn't been taken over by the Borg and you get crazy, crazy beard Riker. Riker. Yeah. Yeah. Cra- crazy beard. Yeah. Riker. <laughs> I, I love that episode. And, oh my God. Uh, yeah. yeah <laughs> w- w- when you're in the multiverse hub, there's uh, multiple versions of your ship. And at the beginning of the game, the, sh- the ship's captained uh, by a female captain and she dies. And so when you're in the multiverse hub, there's, versions of her are still captaining the ship. Also versions of the ship that are captained by your, your first office. Yes, oh, wow. there is a reference kind of to the crazy Riker. <laughs> yes. Great. Yes. That makes me so happy. <laughs> so in the mirror universe, does Riker not have a goatee? Is that how you tell that he's evil? Well, no, in our universe, Evil Riker has a goatee. Thomas Riker. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he stole the Defiant, that son of a bitch. He's in the Maquis now. Spoiler. <laughs> I've, actually, I've, been, I've been falling asleep to uh, Next Generation episode. Oh, what was the last one you watched? It was uh, the one where... Uh, the Federation is testing, like they, they send an admiral and there's this guy, I forget his name, but he's rolling the crew about the, the captain's log about uh, captain Picard's logs and Riker hates the dude. And the episode where the B story is, is Wesley is testing for the Academy Academy and the, and there's, Oh, that's an early one. That's an early yeah, one. Yeah, it's season one. Yeah. I haven't watched... I think season one is the season I've watched the least over and over you. again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's there are a couple good things in there. Like, I love conspiracy. Love, it, love conspiracy. But there is so much garbage in there. <laughs> there really is. It's, it's the Wesley Crusher show. Oh, yeah. And it's funny. We're going through, uh, we're doing another rewatch of Deep Space Nine right now. And we're not. I love s- Deep Space Nine. I know. Deep I know. Space Nine is our favorite track. Right. Honestly. The thing is, the first time I watch it, I was told to skip a bunch of episodes in season one and two and get right to the good stuff, which I did. Uh, but this time, we're not skipping anything. And so we just saw Move Along Home. <laughs> Which is the worst, but it's like season one already has is so much better than season one of Next Gen. And oh like, yeah, like 
mile. We just we just watched the ep- the last episode with Opaka, which is just oh, so sad. You know what I'm talking about? With the one where she dies and then comes back and she can't leave. <laughs> is Opaka the co-pilot? No. No. no uh, spiritual she- leader of Bajor. Yeah. Yeah, the Kai. Oh, I was Chewbacca. Never mind. No. no. <laughs> you do need to watch this, Jim, at some point. You really, really do. He's so good. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> sorry, we get on Chewbacca. tangents here. What was that? Chewbacca's oh, that's not dead. <laughs> we get on tangents here. We're uh, we're we're big Star Trek nerds, so like you you talk about a good Star Trek, <laughs> like like Next Gen or D Six Nine, it'll be like woo. If you bring up Discovery, we'll move on quickly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, since I mentioned it, what are your thoughts of Discovery, real quick? Just just give me like what, how you feel about it. Ooh, okay. Well, I'm two episodes behind. Mm-hmm. Um, but so far, I, I I enjoy the writing, but I don't enjoy the meddling with the Klingons, uh, mm. especially because if you look at the first episode of Enterprise, which is bef- predates this show, the Klingon look like the Klingon that we know from you know the original series movie onwards, right? Uh, and so. At first, I was like, I hadn't thought about that. And I was like, well, maybe it'll be like later in Enterprise where they had an explanation for, you know, the genetic engineering that caused the original series on to look like humans. Like, I was like, maybe they got mm-hmm. some story way they're going to explain this. But now I'm like, no, they don't they don't have anything. It's it's literally <laughs> they just redesigned the Klingons because they wanted to. Yeah. I'm angry about that, but the show itself, I'm still reserving my judgment until I get to the end. I'll watch it. That's where I'm at. I don't know what that was. There's some crazy feedback there for a second. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm hate watching it myself uh, because it's Star Trek. So I'm going to watch it, but oh my god, so much about it bothers me. So... Beyond the Klingons, just so much about it bothers me. <laughs> well, it's definitely not written like a Star Trek. It's the only reason why I'm giving it a pass for it not feeling like Star Trek is the fact that it's a wartime story. And so I'm given, I'm, I'm trying to just be like, okay, this, because you know the swearing and the gore and the, uh, you know what? Probably sexually though, it's probably toned down from some of the other ones so far. Mm. Um, the best thing I, in episode I, seven is that you find out that ugh. even though it's hundreds of years in the future, people still party down to the Bee Gees and uh, Al Green. Yes, and Al Green. Not, we're not even making that up. Jim isn't even joking. There's a party. There's a party in this latest episode. Yet they're playing 20th century music. Eh? Um, At least they're not. At least they're not playing the Enterprise theme song. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just think they're in the mirror universe. I think that's the only way that any of this makes sense. Because then they could lo- then they could say, "Oh, it's the original timeline," but it's the mirror universe. That's why everyone's a dick. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> it no. is the darkest timeline. <laughs> it's, it's the is, old- no, this is like how Section Thirty One started. No, Section Thirty One was before this. Section Thirty One was started with the Federation, so it already oh, yeah. exists. So, oh, never mind. There goes that theory. Yeah, so, 
It might be a Section um, 31 ship because the number 31, but then it's yeah. 1031, which is Halloween. So who the hell knows? <laughs> oh, my God. That's true. It is. Yeah. It's a Halloween ship. It's a Halloween ship. <laughs> yeah. Haunted, it's a total Halloween ship. Mushroom ship. It's, it's a yeah, yeah. code. <laughs> okay. So, so episode seven is one of He hasn't those, seen it yet. He like, hasn't seen it yet. Let's not spoil it. It's fine. I, I, don't I know care. that. Oh, okay. It's one of those goofy, you know how like every now and then they would have like just a ridiculous episode on next generation, which so is fine be like, every know, now and again. Like, yeah, it'd be like Worf dresses like Santa Claus this episode for no reason. Four yeah, the crew members get those. turned into children. <laughs> exactly. I love that episode, actually. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's one of those. But the way that it ends, it, it's like the like what you were saying about the like the kind of the gore and stuff that they do. It's a whimsical episode filled with dismemberment and disintegration. It's, such, <laughs> it's, it's an insanely violent episode that has an and ending. And at the end, it's like, and then we all lived happily ever yeah, after. And, and the ending, it, it, it's, it's an insanely violent episode with an ending that does not fit it at all. Like, have you ever watched West Wing? Like, at the end of every West Wing episode, like, no matter how dark it is, they go to the end credits, and the end credits are the happiest fucking music you will ever hear. Someone could have just died, and then they'll end this credits, and you go. It doesn't fit a lot of the time. Yeah, it's like at all. It's like that. Everybody just died. Whip out the Golden Girls theme song. But they didn't die. It's it's. Oh my god. They did, but they didn't. But they did. But they didn't. So yeah. Anyway, back to death origins. Yeah, well, it's the classic Trek cliche of there's a time loop, and uh, one of us has figured it out that we're Groundhog Daying. Thank God! Right? Thank God that one guy just inje- injected yeah. himself with 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 DNA, or else none of them would have figured it out. They don't have a Guinan, so I mean, eh. he's and, he's kind of their Guinan. That is his role, isn't uh, it? <laughs> but um, uh, yes, it's it's interesting though because it's it's like. Uh, the guy that's time looping him, spoiler, Harry Mudd, um, but the guy that, that's doing this has actually murdered the entire crew of the ship about 60 times and At has least, individually yeah. killed people pretty gruesomely. And in oh, fact, he's wow. enjoying the shit out of it. The, like the, he, he's, the, he's, he's experimenting, finding new ways to the, kill Lord. The best thing time. about the, the best thing about the episode is a montage where you see the various ways he's killed Lorca and, <laughs> It's actually quite it funny. Hilarious. It's yeah. so because it it's so quite. stupid. It's so stupid, but it's quite <laughs> funny. It's like I'll disintegrate you. I'll burn you alive. I'll teleport you out into space. And he teleported him like right outside the window, so he could like watch him like choke yeah. in space. Yeah, it's it was. It was just like damn. Like the uh, only part of of discovery I've actually enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, and then at, and at the end, then they're they're like. Oh no, hard feelings. Get out of here, silly Harry. <laughs> I, I, it's it's yeah. Anyway, back to Death Origins. So you say you said you were uh, ready to return to work on the game. What are your uh, upcoming plans for it? Like, what's the next? Like, you're gonna try and track down the slowdown. Do you have a time frame for when you're gonna get out of early access? Anything like that? Yeah. So I mean, the things that I have been working on when I have had you know, half hour here, 45 minutes here, two hours here have been, uh, I've been porting the game from RPG maker XP 
AXP, which is an open source C plus which engine of the uh, engine? You cut out for a second. Which engine are you pointing it to? It's called MKXP. So it's it's a open source version of the Elf, but it also will allow it to be. Uh, well, it brings a lot of improvements. So it the RPG Maker XP engine itself doesn't use like the GPU for much. It's uh, single threaded and. And, you know, on the performance of a single core and MKXP, on the other hand, you know, does have GPU acceleration. So it'll, it'll take the the onus from the CPU and it'll put it on the GPU. And it's such a graphically minimal game in with that it's just going to make it run better on everything, essentially. And it also opens the door to ports. That's the, the main thing that I've been working on in terms is. I feel like once I have the game under that engine, it'll be easier to debug the specific issue causing that problem. Right now I'm kind of flying in the dark and it's like, I got to, I got to guess about what, what subsystem is doing this. Cause I I've injected like uh, through using debugging tools or whatever. So I'm able to look into the memory address pool and stuff. And I, I'm able to get, really barbaric overviews of of what areas are making a lot of calls and stuff but it's still not the type of debugging tools that i would like to be using right uh where where can i'm I'm trying to look up that engine where can where can you find xp yeah mkxp is on github oh it's um I'm fine. Oh, okay. I'll find it. Um, cause yeah, we, it, it was, sorry. It was made for to the moon. Oh, to the moon. Of course. I've seen that game. I, I, I'd like to play that game. I hear it's very good. Um, but okay. I'll find it. <laughs> so, so I is that, I, I hit one bug uh, when, because I was the first one of us to actually try to uh, play the game, and I had hit a bug in which, because I had my my uh, foot pedal, which I use for a push to talk key normally, that was connected, and the game apparently was reading it as a controller because I had no control over my ship. Oh and, gosh! And it was pointing to the upper left. When, when I started the game and I couldn't actually move anywhere else. So I was kind of stuck. I had to alt F4 the game. But unplugging the foot pedal, that solved the issue and I was able to play normally. Um, yeah, with, with the controls, with the port to the new game engine, that will uh, alleviate that issue because I'll have... Uh, X input and direct input have both of those in the right now. It only uses, I think direct input or I always getting confused. Maybe right now it only does X input. It only does one of the two. And so the new version of the game will have both and uh, it shouldn't pick up on things that are, it does. I'll fix it. 
Yeah, I just thought I'd mention it in case someone else hits that issue. Appreciate that. Have you uh, played that to the moon game, by the way? I have, actually. Yeah, I was when I decided I was going to try to make a commercially viable on RPG Maker XP, it was only after, you know, I had seen that there were a handful of other games on the engine that actually were successful. So, uh, I was disappointed to find out that it wasn't a Jackie Gleason thing. The Honeymooners. Yeah, I, I did play it and oh. it's what the strength to it is its narrative. It's definitely just one of those walking sim, you know, narrative type of experiences where there's not a whole chunk of exciting gameplay to do, but there is a really compelling story to be told. So in that sense, it's a, it's a really good story and deserves its critical reception. You know, and it's also a really, I'm, I'm thankful for it because not only was it successful, but like I said, that game engine uh, that I'm porting to, is only you know around because of to the moon and folks if you're interested to the moon is on sale right now for three dollars in the uh, halloween sale but by the time you might hear this it might not be on sale anymore just fyi because the sale ends tomorrow <laughs> so <laughs> just fyi there yeah this game looks really really neat i will definitely have to pick it up at some point once I play through some like twenty, thirty thousand other games I have in my backlog. Backlog. <laughs> we do love our that. We some do love our backlogs. Time. We do love our backlogs here at <laughs> Space Game Junkie. <laughs> oh, so like I gotta ask, like because you were saying you fit in half an hour here, forty five minutes there. Does that become like really draining, like to fill in time with this thing that isn't like, do you find this relaxing enough that, like, or do you find this enjoyable enough that, like, that's relaxation to you, or is that work to you? Right now it's work, but there is certainly a lot of aspects of game creation that's just, like, I'm going to do it regardless of if there's a game or if there's a product. I'm just going to do it, so it might as well be for a game or for a product. Um, things like the the music and the things that I just... I, I love that type of stuff anyway. So so that stuff like just comes pretty naturally. Although writing the 75 quests, man, I really, really had some writer's block towards the end of that. It's understandable. Yeah. Oh, totally, totally understandable. I mean, how how detailed do the, are those, are those quests like on chains? Like how detailed do those get? Well, some of them are pretty open-ended um but most of them are pretty designed to give you like one of maybe or three possible outcomes because you know obviously the more you branch off the more issues you have for like tying back towards a central narrative or anything like that i had to be really careful Uh, also because some of the crew members not all of them but a good chunk of them can die in certain situations and so I needed to keep track of who was alive at what point or who was possibly alive and who was possibly dead. So the, the, the graphs and like charts and stuff I ended up printing out during the process or 
pretty illegible with all the scribblings over it and only useful to me. <laughs> so you said there are, what, 11 endings to this game? Oh, yeah, something like that. 11 or 12, some, I think 11. Uh, you can cheat and you can go into the game folder and if you go into the videos folder, there's just all the cutscenes and stuff sitting there. Including the 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 ending narratives, and they're, they're labeled by like neutral good, true neutral, chaotic <laughs> evil. You know. Oh, that's great. And and so, how early in the game can you steer toward one of those endings, or does it happen like mid game, later game? Like- yeah to to get to an actual ending or whatever that gives you the credits and the the quickest way to do that is to go the pure evil path and so you got to kill the character that gives you the the quiz at the beginning that you know where you fill out your character sheet essentially so you kill her that skips i think four quests or something just knocks them out if you just keep doing the most crappiest you know list options you get it, it cuts you through a good chunk of Act One and, and gets you right into Act Two pretty quick, uh, and yeah, and so that's the quickest way. But it's still, I think, probably twenty hours to get rushing through and nowhere to go. It's still, probably about twenty hours to get the the worst ending. Oh wow! So there's a lot of gameplay in here, like twenty yeah, twenty to thirty hours for an ending. It sounds like. Yeah, and then there's also a, a new game plus. There's some ultra bosses, like some god tiered bosses that really can't approach unless you've got crazy armor and weapons and stuff like that. And so, using the new game plus and stuff, you're able to retain your cargo bay each time, and you're out. Speaking of, you're able to get some power armor. And, uh, uh, speaking of bosses, the combat um, is is kind of JRPG ish. Is that the like RPG Maker Legacy thing happening there? Because it reminds absolutely, yeah, it reminded me of like it was it was kind of JRPG ish and kind of Pokemon ish, but like in that vein, you know, where you pick a it reminded you, me of Final Fantasy VI. Yeah, the yeah, combos we, that you could you could put in in order to get those special moves out. Hey, what's that sci-fi RPG maker-ish game that came out about six months ago or something? Starfleet Armada? No, it's, uh, you, you run around with a party of people. My dog is Cosmic Star Heroine. Yes, that. Was that good? Yes. Yeah, great. Oh, yeah. I backed up uh, on Kickstarter. I wonder, what engine was that? Do you know? I'm just wondering if it's that open source I don't know RPG maker. I need to play that game. Oh, stuff. I I heard it it's Cosmic Star Heroin. Apparently, it's very good. It is. Anyway, oh, there it is. I'm gonna have to look see how much it is. Um, what was I've totally lost my train of thought now. <laughs> totally. So, McKin- Mechanically, the game in combat, right. like like you guys are saying, 
it's got that RPG maker feel. What I tried to do was add some uh, some differences to it. So one of the things you can do is if you're fighting just one ship, is you can send an away team into the ship, and then they uh, counter, you know, either treasures or enemies in the ship, and then they gotta, you know, deal with the enemies. And that also depletes the health of the ship, essentially, so that or it depletes the crew members. And so if there's no crew members left, then you, you battle and stuff. Uh, but I wanted to keep the real classic JRPG mechanics while adding some different layers of spice. I always felt like the whole interface for a JRPG have lent itself to a, a space battle. This is where the idea for the game kind of initially even came from. Where was that? Oh yeah. I was just saying that the, the idea for the game kind of just came because I'd play JRPGs and I would think right. this perfect system. Yeah. It reminds Sorry, sorry, I was going to say... Go ahead. The, uh, uh, the name escapes me now. Save, save me, uh, Spaz. <laughs> the uh, Starbase thing that came out. It's kind of ex commy but then... Halcyon the, 6? Yeah, Halcyon 6, of? yes. Yeah. It kind of reminded... came out with the Nova edition. Oh, yeah. It reminded me of a DS game called Infinite Space, which also had very uh, JRPG... Spaceship combat, uh, similar yep. to yours. I remember recommending that to you a couple of years ago. Yeah, and I'm stuck in it. Been stuck for a couple of years now. <laughs> <laughs> I can't find a way to move forward. Um, Maybe yeah. microtransaction paywall, is that what you're saying? <laughs> for a TS game. <laughs> no, they didn't, they, didn't have, uh, they didn't have crates uh, back then for uh, DS games. So, uh, no, there's no crates to get the magic key to get me out of whatever I'm stuck behind. Yeah. You remember Old Man Murray back in the day? How yep. they used to review games yep. time to crate. Time to crate. It used to mean time to crate. Yeah, and, and it's relevant again. Yep. Like, they need to they need to dig Eric Wolpot out of retirement. If you don't know what we're talking about, folks, there was an article back. There was a site called Old Man Murray in the late 90s, early 2000s, and they had an article about first-person shooters using crates uh, as part of the scenery that was just amazing. And they had an actual time to crate uh, thing in the article. And they rated games based on how long it took to get to your first crate. And it was pretty. <laughs> but now it's time to loot crate. It it's was like, pretty how great. Long can I play this before they shove a loot crate microtransaction in my face. So, yeah, the time to crate, uh, time to crate. Um, phrase is back. So, uh, Death Origins, you're saying, is going to be part of a uh, series? Yes, that's the intention. Right. So, this is the, this is the what? The introduction to the humans? Because uh, you're already well, like, into the story here. Once you even start, like, Earth has been dead for hundreds of years and you're hiding from the Draconians. So, like, what are, like, the, like... So you're the humans here. Like you're gonna be, are you gonna be the draconians in another entry? Like, what do you have planned for the future of this? Yeah, well, like the the uh, the main thing that's that's introduced, I guess, is the 
multi-dimensional travel and aliens that are never actually encountered in the game, but you're using their tech is kind of where this, the franchise is meant to go. And uh, it, it, the sense of exploring them and their technologies. And, but in, in the long run, uh, what I've done is I've got like a timeline and I've, the timeline contains like the different story arcs. And so I've got story arcs. I don't know if I'll ever try to attempt a game for it, but it's, they're still there for myself. Like, and it's, I don't know. It's like, I, I make music primarily to satisfy my own desire to make music. And if, you know, if I can use it for something, whether it's in a commercial or, uh, in a video game or whatever I might use it for. That's great, but that's not really the the primary intention. And so kind of the same thing when I'm writing these stories and stuff like that, it's just because I'm into space stuff like crazy. Like I, I religiously try to pour through as much uh, space television as I can. Super uh, sad that dark matter recently got canceled because I was really invested in that show. And uh, I don't know. There's just, there's a lot of passion that's just innate for this type of creativity. And so I do, I do have specific design documents and Gas galaxy itself has a playable demo, the 3d version of the next game in the series. But at the same point, uh, as I'm learning these lessons with this first game, it's going to, it's going to make me go back and, and try to be smarter with the new. Oh, oh, I think you cut out again. Yeah. We're oh, having, sorry about that. No, it's okay. We're having discord does this sometimes where someone will just cut out, you know, it's, it's very, very weird. Um, I think it's it's noise gate or something. I think it's like if I drop below a certain noise threshold, it's cut. Oh out. God, it's that. I wouldn't be surprised. I I wouldn't be surprised if that was at the uh, the auto um, pickup thing, whatever it is. Uh yeah. So uh, oh, so all multi. See, I love the idea of multi dimensional stuff like sliders and. Uh, well, the first season, anyway, and uh, <laughs> and uh, you know the, that whole community episode with the multiple timelines. One of their most—that's oh, a great uh, episode. One of their most genius uh, episodes. So yeah, I, I am definitely a fan of things with multiple timelines, uh, except for the—I don't know about if you watch the TV shows like Flash and whatnot, but yeah, they're not working for me there. <laughs> right. Barry's such an idiot. Oh my god, he's so stupid. He's so stupid. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, it sounds like you have a really uh, solid plan for the future of this series. Uh, and uh, I guess since you're not trying to do this full time, it's not like, oh my god, I need to sell 10,000 copies to uh, to be successful. I mean, sure you'd like to, but I mean... Like, it, like it's interesting. We've talked to developers who do this full time and those who don't, and uh, and it's kind of interesting this to that there's a different attitude between like between those who do do this full time and those who don't. 
Right. You know, like I'm sure you'd love to do this full time, but you, you know, you have a day job and, you know, what is your day job by the way? Yeah. So, uh, it's pretty funny to me because what, what I do is I'm a refrigerator scrapper. Uh, what is is that? So, so I take the recyclable parts from a refrigerator I, I remove the parts that have, you know, oils and stuff like that that are bad for the environment and dispose of them in, in a proper waste container. And the reason why I feel it's 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 funny is because I've put scrapping and scrap as such an integral thing in the game uh, because of that, you know. What the day job essentially is, though, is people, you know, they get a new refrigerator and what do they do with the old one? They give it to Lowe's or they got to get rid of it somehow. Eventually, it ends up at my warehouse. What I do is, like I said, I just recover all the copper and the aluminum, precious metals, the wiring and take away the the stuff that's, you know, toxic. That sounds... Sorry. Well, and the reason why I really like this job, though, is because it's really physical and I end up like uh, moving hundreds of fridges every day. And it's so different from what I'm used to uh, before that, you know, because I've spent a lot of time as a programmer behind the desk and stuff like that. It's actually nice having a job where it's like I feel like I don't need to go to the gym afterwards because I've already got my workout. I'll admit I've never heard of this before. It sounds kind of dangerous since you're dealing with like things that can fall on you and things that could probably chemicals and whatnot. You know, I mean, it sounds fairly dangerous. Is there like a like what? How how does one learn how to do this? Well, uh, it's it's pretty simple. There's not a lot to it. The there's definitely some danger. Uh, I broke my ribs in the, oh. I've been at this job for a couple of years and in the f- first six months, like a, a, a stove fell out of a truck and I went to catch it and the side of the stove clipped me in the ribs and broke my ribs. Oh, there's always stuff like that to be, to be careful of. But like I said, I do enjoy the, the contrast because I do still spend a lot of time behind a desk at a computer. So I really like, the manliness of just tearing apart a fridge and throwing it on a semi truck. I will admit that does sound like it has a certain appeal. Like a while back I did, um, flood relief. This is in the nineties, uh, in Missouri. And, uh, a lot of it was ripping apart these homes so they could be repaired. And there was something just so satisfying about taking a crowbar to a wall you know, and just ripping the thing apart. <laughs> just, it's really nice, actually. So well, it's told, therapeutic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I'm I'm angry today. Here, let me rip apart a refrigerator. That sounds actually kind of great. <laughs> I do enjoy it. So, so it's uh, important to enjoy your job. Oh yeah. So you you said you made some games before this one that weren't commercial. What did what did you do that? What did you do uh, before this one? Well, uh, I have a Flash game I made in 2007, I think. It's 2008, something like that. 
It was a 3D first person shooter. It was called Zombie Rapture 3D. Just five levels. Basically, you run around and you shoot zombies. It's real original. But people love I guess that it shit. Was kind of, people love that shit. Oh yeah. <laughs> Especially then, too, because 3D first-person shooter and Flash was kind of a novelty. Like, I was really early on that. Oh, nice. Uh, it was like right when, Fla- right when Flash uh, first had GPU acceleration, so you could finally get a 3D engine running in it. I, I have to say, I'm not really upset that they're going to be sunsetting Flash. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Just kill it now. It's, Can we just it's, put a bullet in its head now? It's been a real bane. I work in internet marketing, and for many years it was just the bane of my existence. Because you get these people with a flash out, like, how do I rank on Google? <laughs> <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> right. You don't. You, you just don't. <laughs> Sorry. It looks nice. Sure. But yeah, Google can't read Flash. You're fucked. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so it's 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 kind of an interesting journey though, from first person shooter to to space game. And I, now that I've gotten past that first battle, I've got to be honest. I'm quite interested to uh, see where this goes goes next. Now that I've now that the universe has opened up to me, and now that I've learned there are other universes. I'm kind of sad. Like, I was just looking at the map like, wow, there are all these places to go. And now I found out it's all going to blow up. So that's <laughs> uh, it's like, okay, I'll fly around, I guess. Uh, even though I know you're all going to die. Well, okay. <laughs> uh, and the ending, it's the journey. Uh, yeah, I guess that's true. It is the journey. <laughs> uh, so I guess we'll start wrapping it up here. Um, he dies at the end. <laughs> That's that's probably an ending. Uh, folks, again, the game is Dath Origins. It is uh, on Steam currently for $9.99, currently in early access. Uh, again, not really entirely sure when it's going to get out of early access, but that's fine. You know, I'd rather these things cook for the right t- amount of time in the oven <laughs> before they come out, you know, rather than come out early or, or late. So that that's that's good. Uh, so yeah, it's nine 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 early access right now. Uh, if you buy it and you find it a little frustrating, know that the developer here is working on it. <laughs> so <laughs> don't fret. <laughs> and again, if you find it frustrating, just muscle through that first fight because there's a whole big game behind that. <laughs> Got to get all feedback is good. Yeah, all feedback is good. And as we learned, the developer here is very uh, open to feedback. So just a couple quick programming notes, folks. Uh, Thursday on the uh, LAN party, the Thursday night LAN party, we're going to be trying to play Gene Shift. Uh, We've never played that multiplayer before, um, but it looks like a ton of fun. The campaign is in co-op, and the gameplay is inspired by Grand Theft Auto 2, so it can't be bad, because that's in my opinion, the best Grand Theft Auto. I know. I said it. Um, so we're going to be playing that on Thursday. If that doesn't work, because we have run into problems with games that don't seem to use Steamworks, I'm not sure if this one does or not. Uh, we're going to be playing Codename something. What is it called? Codename? Codename Cure. That's yeah. That's the plan that's, B. That's plan B. 
So uh, I think what we should do now is always have a plan B for a game for Codename, that. Codename Cure just came out today. Yeah. Yes, and, uh, it, it, just, it was in early access and yeah. just uh, went to 1.0 today. Right. And the, and for today only, they've lowered the price. <laughs> no, half, it's free. I, think. I know, but it's like 50% off. Oh, now. God. And uh, next week on the show um, – the guest that I offered it to hasn't confirmed yet, so hopefully we'll have them on, but I don't know yet. <laughs> so, so we'll see. I emailed them earlier like, hey, did you still want to do this? So uh, hopefully they'll show up. I'm going to sing the entire plot line of the most recent Star Trek Discovery episode, the space opera. We, 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 should just, we should just load that up on Rabbit and just watch it in real time. And and talk about yeah, how much watch it with the volume off, and we do all the voices. And and <laughs> no, it'll be like bad bad lip reading theater. That's what we'll do. We'll do bad lip re- lip reading theater to Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, but the best is you have to do it with a live episode that nobody has ever seen before. Oh, that's you have not to make the plot up as you go. We can't do that. Sadly. I can do that. <laughs> so yeah, hopefully we'll have a uh, guest next week, folks. If not, we'll come up with something to talk about, or may we'll scrounge up a guest last minute. Uh, I want to thank you all for listening, and for and Jeff, I want to thank you for uh, taking the time to talk to us about Death Origins. And I'm I'm really glad I was able to f- get through that first battle because I was honestly angry before I got through that first battle. I was like, oh <laughs> god damn this game! Ah! But then I got past. I was like, oh, I feel so much better about this now. So yay! <laughs> so folks, if you try this game out again, don't fret. Just muscle through that first fight, and there's a lot of gameplay behind it. Several hours worth. It's, it looks like a pretty deep, deta- detailed RPG. Uh, so yeah, thanks for listening, everyone, and watching on YouTube and Twitch, and we will see you next time. Have a great night. Bye-bye.